Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 4, Episode 25 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. Anyway, they opened with, uh, you know, why do you want this role? <laughs> and I kid you not, I just, I had nothing to say. I don't know what happened, but I just went blank. And <laughs> I think I must have answered, not quite as bad as this, but essentially, um, you know, why do you want this job? Um because I'm great at my job is essentially what I think I said, but I said it in about two sentences. And the looks of everybody, were, they were just looking at me as if to say, you really need to talk some more. And I, in my head, I had this answer. I planned it, but it just vanished. I don't know where it went. So we all sat there looking at each other with this really awkward silence. This week, it's a short cuppa soup called Interview Reflections and the Matrix. It's a continuation of our experimental previous episode called The Greasy Pole, where I shared a particularly memorable and cringeworthy interview experience. In this episode, I'll share some of the insights from the P-Supers and their experiences of work interviews. And then I'll introduce or reintroduce the ACT Matrix as a way to reflect on and sort through the experience of that interview to help me learn and grow you might want to use the matrix to reflect on an experience that you've had, whether it's an interview or anything else that's been on your mind. Because I think if it's been on your mind, there's probably something to learn from it, and the matrix can help us do that. People Soup is an award-winning podcast where we share evidence-based behavioural science in a way that's practical, accessible and fun to nourish your minds to flourish at work. Let's take a quick scoot over to the news desk. Reviews are in for the first part of this episode. Fabian Little emailed me at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com and he said, Hi Ross, I have just listened to the latest episode of People Soup. Thank you for openly sharing your interview experience and how it made you feel, and for aiming to normalise talking about such experiences. Interestingly, having just read the intro paragraph, I had made an assumption in my head that the bad experience was due to bad practice or behaviour from the interviewers, which made it even more honest and refreshing when I listened and realised that it was your own performance you were referring to. We bottle things up like these way too often, and it's a great exercise in self-reflection to have the courage to revisit these experiences. Well, thank you so much, Fabian. I'm really grateful to you for getting in touch and also sharing one of your interview experiences, which we'll come back to shortly. Thanks so much to everyone who listened, shared and commented. Your support is much appreciated. For now, get a brew on and have a listen to Interview Reflections and The Matrix. So, P-Supers, in the last episode, I put the call out to invite you to share your interview experiences, whether it was three words, a recording, or a written message. And I'm chuffed to say I received contributions across all those formats. On Instagram, Jill shared three words about an interview experience and said shame, embarrassment, and relief might be three words to describe how I've felt after work interviews. Marie said, Vegas nerve extravaganza, which I loved. And Dawn said, I really thought I wanted to work here. And after this day of interviews, I know I really don't. And I have to keep looking. Terrible work interviews go both ways. So thank you all for such brilliant and relatable reflections. And a great point from Dawn 
that we can often forget that interviews go both ways. It's a chance for the interviewee to find out more about the job than the organisation. And that point is highlighted more by the next two examples received. In a message, uh, P. Super said, they were interviewed for months and the context here was media entertainment type industry. And the message said, they were messing around and not making a decision. I was asked to travel again to another interview and it turned out the HR director wasn't sure about me. So she said, listen, I'm going to put it like this. Are you a raver? I was taken aback, so kind of mumbled, and she said, fine then. Have you ever found yourself in a field at 6am with a glow stick, not knowing how you got there? I jokingly said, sure, who hasn't? And she said, you've got the job. Crikey, that sounds like an interview style that I've never experienced, and I'm not sure I would like to. Another listener said, I went for an interview with a big four consultancy. I got in 20 minutes early, was mildly sweaty and behaving very well, sitting up straight, fixing my outfit. I finally got called about 45 minutes later. So at that point, I'd been there for an hour in the lobby and I wasn't offered anything during that time. No glass of water was to be had. Finally, a partner bounds into the office I was put in. He had my CV printed in his hand. And he was waving it about furiously and he said, no joke, why the f*** did you do psychology? I was pretty flabbergasted. I said, um, I've always had a genuine curiosity in understanding people, etc, etc. And he started laughing in a rather crazy manner. I was grilled for an hour and left exhausted. So I rang the recruiter and she said, oh, that's great. You're the first girl I've had go in that hasn't come out crying. And that example ends with the listener saying, I said to the recruiter, you might want to consider your client base then, and please take me out of the process. And she was genuinely shocked that I wanted to bow out. Ridiculous. Another P-Super shared an audio message with me. Very brave. I'd like to applaud that P-Super for joining me on the airwaves with their voice. And I'll just cue that in right now. Say. So yeah, my interview experience. Well, the backstory is that I was applying for a more senior role and I was being interviewed by people who I had worked with for, you know, 10, 12 years. So I knew them really well. And I think it's probably that that threw me off. Um, but anyway, the morning of the interview, because it was a, a role senior to the one that I'm already doing, I went to the same familiar office, slightly more formal dress. And yeah, I kind of did a few bits of my uh, sort of main grade work um, before I uh, went into the interview because I was just making good use of time. And so I had prepared for the interview. Um, it was a role that I thought I wanted, but wasn't too sure about. So I was a bit in two minds about it, but I had prepared and there's always a classic question that's asked in interviews, you know, why do you want this role and uh, what do you bring to it? And so I had prepared those answers and I felt they were, you know, they were pretty reflective of me as a person. Um, anyway, so I was invited into the interview room and it just, the dynamics were weird. You know, these are people I knew really well and suddenly they were on one side of the table and I was on the other and you know, all this sort of non-verbal behaviour was just kind of like, I don't know, mixed in with the nerves and of the interview were a little, yeah, it was all just a little bit confusing. Anyway, they opened with, the, you know, 
why do you want this role? <laughs> and I kid you not, I just, I had nothing to say. I don't know what happened, but I just went blank. And <laughs> I think I must have answered, not quite as bad as this, but essentially, um, you know, why do you want this job? Um, because I'm great at my job is essentially what I think I said, but I said it in about two sentences. And the looks of everybody, were, they were just looking at me as if to say, you really need to talk some more. And I, in my head, I had this answer. I'd planned it, but it just vanished. I don't know where it went. So we all sat there looking at each other with this really awkward silence. Me knowing that I wasn't performing to my best, them knowing that I wasn't performing to my best. And then one of my colleagues was really sweet and trying to sort of ask a question to get me to open up. And I could see them working really hard to help me. And obviously, you know, those the, there are sort of protocols around interviews. There's a limit to how much you can kind of probe somebody. And even then I struggled to sort of respond to it. So the interview started really badly. And I'd like to say it finished slightly better. But um, I think there were one or two questions where I found my flow. And I felt, I think, because the passion was ignited in me. Um, but yeah, just... Walking out of that was awful. And what made it doubly awful is I then had to speak to those colleagues and it was almost like I've, and I think I actually did to one of them. I phoned them up sort of, you know, after they had interviewed everybody else and apologised for just how rubbish I was. And um, yeah, I was told I probably wasn't my best, which, you know, to be fair, was helpful rather than trying to pretend that I was okay you know that my performance was okay it was helpful to you know have that honesty but um yeah it took me a long time to sort of unpack it and you were talking uh Ross about sort of the use of the matrix to unpack it I've never thought of doing that and I think that would be a really helpful thing to do um because it stuck with me for a very long time and this is sort of like two three years ago now and the following kind of year or so was just like I couldn't quite believe that I was performed so badly, <laughs> you know, because like I say, I prepared, but yeah, I just didn't say it in the interview. Um, I've since had another interview and it did bring up all sorts of ridiculous kind of thoughts around, can't do that again, need to prepare. But I think the difference was the the uh, interview that I went for sort of later down the line was actually something I was really passionate about and I really wanted. And I think some of my difficulty of performing in the interview that was a nightmare was that I didn't really want the job. It was almost I sabotaged myself. Um, it wasn't that I didn't really want the job. I didn't, I didn't want the entirety of the job as it was written on paper. Um, there were bits of it that I felt very passionate about and there were bits of it I definitely didn't want to do. Um, so yeah, that's my nightmare interview and it sticks with you for quite a while. Um, I do often, not often, but you know, it pops up of ooh, that toe curling experience where I really didn't, wasn't the best version of myself. Thanks for the opportunity to share, Ross. Um, it's always lovely to hear you on the podcast. I do genuinely enjoy um, dialing into those. And finally, let's go back to Fabienne who gave us a review on part one and also shared an experience of his worst interview. So here goes. Fabian said, my worst interview, based on my own performance alone, came a good number of years ago as I was going for an internal move into an HR generalist role, having specialized in expatriate management for the previous 10 years. In these 10 years, I had built successful experience as a specialist, so much so that I came into the interview full of confidence in my past achievements, yet, 
I realized that afterwards, poorly prepared to convince anyone about my ability to perform in a different capacity, I had had, to that point, limited exposure to competency-based interviews, which didn't help the preparation. To top it off, my interviewer and potential future boss was one of my key stakeholders in my existing role, with whom, luckily, I had a very good working relationship, which also helped my confidence probably a little too much. And so the interview began, full of the expected, tell me about a time, and give me an example of, all targeted on skills relevant to this new role, which would have required for me to shine a light on my most relevant transferable skills. This all sounds absolutely fair now, yet at the time I almost felt unfairly challenged and unable to bring out all the great things about my fabulous self. The result was painful for all involved. Responses were made up of inadequate examples, providing nowhere near the right evidence, and not in the right way either. We both knew it, and both felt incredibly uncomfortable for it, which only took my ability to construct answers into a downward spiral. How I wish there had been a giant fridge for me to go and hide in. And in a very surprising twist, because the hiring manager and other stakeholders involved had the benefit of observing me perform in a different capacity for over two years, I still got the job. The call I received from the manager to offer me the role started along the lines of, First, let me be clear, this was an absolutely terrible interview, and we went on to talk through constructive feedback, which helped me a lot to move on. I still questioned whether it was fair on the other candidates to base a final decision on past experience, a question which has surfaced since in other circumstances. How much should past experience weigh into an internal selection process in order for it to remain fair and equitable? Lucky for me, it did extensively on that occasion. Well, Fabian, thank you so much for sharing that. I love the description of the experience and perhaps going in with that overconfidence. I also want to flag that Fabian has a brilliant blog where he reflects on work experiences and life, and I'll pop the link to that blog in the show notes for this episode. So, a sincere and heartfelt thank you to all the P-Supers who shared an experience. I'm so, so grateful that you've helped me normalize the bizarre world of interviews, how sometimes we don't show up as our best selves, and sometimes neither does the organization who might be recruiting us. Now, if you've had an experience anything like mine, or anything that the P-Supers have shared, you might want to reflect on it, or any experience that's been on your mind over the last few weeks. And this, folks, is where we get interactive. If you'd like to have a go, grab a piece of paper, turn it so it's in the landscape format to give you the most possible room, and in the centre, draw a circle, large enough to write these words in it. And those words are, Noticing with kindness and curiosity. Now, if you'd prefer to use a template, there's also one you can print from the show notes for this episode. So you've got that circle with the words noticing with kindness and curiosity in the center of your page. Then draw a vertical line which passes through the center of that circle. Put an arrow at the top and write towards move. And at the bottom, draw an arrow with the label away move. Now there's one more line to draw. A horizontal line, again through the center of the circle. On the left-hand side, write inner world. And on the right-hand side of that horizontal line, write the world of behavior. So there we have it. The basics of the tool called the matrix. It's like a lens that we can look back on experiences through to help us make sense of what was going on, learn and reflect. 
So if you have a look at your piece of paper or the template, you'll see we've got four quadrants. And I'm going to go around each of them in turn. And in each quadrant, I'll present you with a question. And I'll also reflect on my experience of that cringeworthy interview I shared in the last episode. But before we do that, let's just have a look at how we've created those four quadrants. Essentially, we're looking at life in two dimensions. One dimension is knowing that in any context or any scenario in life, we can move towards who we'd like to be, or we can move away from the ideal version of ourselves. And we'll always do both. What this tool does is help us notice when we're moving towards and when we're moving away. And then the other dimension on this tool is knowing that the stuff going on in our inner world, essentially between our ears, and there's things that can be helpful that happen between our ears, and there's things that are unhelpful. And all of that stuff in our inner world can influence and impact and drive how we show up in the world of behavior. So that's the two dimensions. And never forgetting at the heart, this noticing with kindness and curiosity. So let's bring it to life a bit more. In each quadrant, I'll present you with a question. And I'll also reflect on my experience of that cringeworthy interview I shared in the last episode. So we'll be using this tool to reflect on a past event. I'm using an interview, but you might like to choose anything, like an awkward interaction, a social event, a difficult meeting, something that's happened and is on your mind. So once you've thought of the context or event or scenario, just jot it down at the top of the page to remind you of your, your own context that you're using this tool to reflect on. So I'm going to jot down the interview. We're always thinking back to that context. So at the top left, we're in the inner world. And the question is, thinking about that context or event, what personal qualities did I really want to bring to life in that situation? Well, for me, the personal qualities I'd really like to have brought to life were being energized, reflective, open, authentic, and collaborative. Now, you might want to press pause while you jot down the personal qualities that you really wanted to bring to life in your own situation. So once you've had a chance to jot down some words or a sentence or a phrase in that top left-hand quadrant, we'll move down to the bottom left, staying in the inner world. And in this quadrant, the question is, what showed up in my mind that could have got in the way of me bringing those qualities to life? So remember, my qualities were being energized, reflective, open, authentic, collaborative. And we know that our mind can generate stuff that gets in the way. Things like thoughts, emotions, memories, sensations, urges. So the question is, what showed up in my mind that could have got in the way of me bringing those qualities to life? Just a general sense of anxiety and catastrophization about what was going to happen at the interview. Thinking, I'm a fraud. Thinking, I need to get this to be successful in life. Thinking, I need to be secretive about this interview in my preparation and also my attendance. Thinking, what shall I wear? And perhaps becoming sidetracked by that. And in relation to immediately after the interview, thinking I'd be mortified to get the feedback after this interview. So you have a go, maybe press pause and just reflect on that question in the bottom left quadrant. What showed up in my mind that could have got in the way of me bringing those qualities to life? Now we're going to move over to the bottom right. So we're now moved into the world of behavior. So the question here is, if your behavior was hijacked by the stuff you've just written down in the bottom left, how would you have showed up? Some of this may actually have happened. Some of it could have happened. And I'm going to share with you what I've written in this. I'd be feeling alone, feeling pressure. 
stuck inside my head playing endless scenarios, usually catastrophic. As we arrived at the interview day, you'd see me going for multiple peas. Nervous peeing. You'd see my stomach churning. You'd see me preparing alone, rehearsing my presentation alone, more worried about the timing than the content. You'd see me really not considering the role or my suitability for it. You'd see me just not seeking support and hiding from those who offered to give me feedback. So again, maybe just press pause and jot down what you can in the bottom right, answering the question, if your behavior was hijacked by the stuff you've just written down in the bottom left, how would you have showed up? Now we've got one quadrant left, the top right. And the question here is, looking over at the top left, what did I do or could I have done to bring those qualities to life? I'm going to share with you my reflections. So I could have sought feedback on my form and the likely questions. I could have requested a mock interview, a rehearsal. I could even have talked before applying to discuss the role, asking what they were looking for to get a greater idea of my fit. I could have paused to consider if I'd like the job, discuss with others about the potential impact in every area of my life. And I could think about how I'd be at the interview how I would really bring those qualities to life, make them a prominent guide to my behavior. So again, maybe just press pause on this recording and jot down some responses to the question, what did I do or could I have done to bring these personal qualities to life? So that's it. Now the important thing is to take a step back and have a look at the whole matrix. Now you've had a go at sorting the experience. Always remembering our primary intention is to notice with kindness and curiosity. My reflections, looking back, it's really helpful to sort out that jumble in my head. It, it really lays out how isolated I was, how I cut myself off and never really considered if I actually wanted the job and how I'd be in a more senior role. It also gives me some clues as to what I could do in the future to really give me a chance to bring to life those qualities that are important to me. Also, looking at that bottom left, I can really see how I got hijacked and tangled up in this stuff which really impacted on the whole preparation, the interview, and my behavior after the interview. So folks, how was that for you? If you've had a go and want to share some insights, with or without your name, you can do so via email or WhatsApp, and you'll find the details in the show notes at rossmackintosh.co.uk. Incidentally, I then applied for another role and prepared in a completely different way. I hadn't done a matrix at that point, but I thought I did a pretty good interview. The primary difference was I'd really thought about how I'd be in the role and there was energy and enthusiasm which I brought to the conversation. And guess what? I didn't get that job either, which amongst many other factors was the driver for me to leave the civil service. And that's a whole nother story, folks. But that's it. Our experimental interview reflections and the matrix. So P-Supers, thank you for listening. If you like this episode of the podcast, Please could I invite you to share it with one other person? I'm really keen to spread the behavioral science and skills with more people, and your help will make that happen. Of course, a subscription, follow, rating, or review are also very much appreciated. Particularly reviews. Reviews are marvelous. They're the lifeblood for podcasters, and they could do with a whole lot more to help us reach more people. Could you help me out and write a review? Please let me know when you've done it so I can publicize it as well. The show notes are at rossmackintosh.co.uk and this includes links to a few different platforms. I love to hear from you and you can get in touch at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at peoplesouppod. On Instagram, at people.soup. 
and on Facebook, we are at People Soup Pod. Thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic and Alex Engelberg for his vocals. Most of all, dear listener, thanks to you. Look after yourselves, Peace Supers, and bye for now. Now I've got to work out how to turn this thing off. I don't know if it's still recording or not. There we go. Me and technology. Oh, it is. There we go. My phone turned off. I talked so long. Bye-bye.